Amen. Well, good morning, Ascent. Today is a special day because uh, Blaze Clem is going to come up here in just a moment. He's going to preach his first ever sermon, uh, and we are going to listen to it, and we're going to cheer Blaze on. Now, there's two reasons why we do this. This is not the first time we've done this at Ascent. Uh, we've had four or five people preach their first sermon here. And there's two reasons why. Number one is because somebody was crazy enough to give me the opportunity to preach my first sermon. Uh, it was a small church in Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, I showed up there on that morning and I thought, is there any way I can get out of this at this point? Like, I don't want to hurt this church's feelings, but I do not want to do this anymore. And I remember sitting right where Blaze is on the front row and that exit sign looked so bright to me. I was like, I'm just going to run out of here. They'll never see me again. Uh, but I got up here and I preached a sermon. When I practiced it like 12 times, it was 38 minutes every single time. And then when I preached the sermon, it was 22 minutes. Uh, and it's not because I left anything out. I just forgot to breathe. So the whole time just running through the sermon. But that church was so encouraging to me. There was a lady who came up to me after and she said, you are just going to be a great preacher one day. And uh, I took it as a compliment at the time, but then I, I, the one day part really started sticking out to me. But she really was. She was encouraging, uh, told me how good I was going to be. So I, when I planted a scent, I thought, you know what, we're going to make sure we give opportunities to preachers like that. And, uh, and so I'm excited to give Blaze that opportunity. And the second reason why I do it is because it's good for us as a church family to remember that part of our job as we show up here on Sundays is to be good listeners. Uh, each Sunday I prepare as hard as I can to preach the best sermons possible. Blaze has been preparing for a long time to preach the best sermon possible. But it's not just a one-way street. When we come to church on Sunday, we are corporately doing this thing together. And so it's partly your responsibility to lean in and to listen to what the preacher is saying. And I don't know if you guys know this about yourselves, but some of you have very scary faces. Uh, when I look at you, I think you don't like being here, but you keep showing up. So I think that maybe you do. But when Blaze gets up here, it's going to be his first time to see your scary faces. So if you think about it, you might just smile a little bit when he looks at you. Otherwise, he's going to think you're hating, he's, you're hating what he is saying and, and you're not. So if he says something kind of funny, you think maybe it's funny, just laugh anyways. Uh, that will help blaze out. If there's something that sounds good, it's not totally heretical, you could just say amen or keep preaching or something like that, and that would be a great help to blaze. Now, blaze, if you would, go ahead and come up. I'm going to pray for him. I've heard his sermon three times now. It's going to be good, uh, and you guys are going to enjoy it. I want to pray for him before he starts. Father God, I lift up blaze, and I thank you for his courage to come up here and to do this thing. God, it is no small thing when we stand behind the pulpit and we preach your word. It's a terrifying thing to speak before men, but God, when we preach, we're not just preaching before men, we're preaching before you. But God, the hope that we have is that you are with us. And so God, I pray that you'd be with Blaze, that you'd give him courage, give him the words to say, and that you'd give the people the ears to hear what he has to say. God, it is in your name that I pray. Amen. Let's give Blaze a warm welcome. Well, good morning. As you said, my name is Blaze, and uh, I've been a believer for a while, and I've had many great mentors, including Blake, and many great ones from Lincoln Avenue, and I'm just so thankful for them. So if you would, please keep your Bibles open to uh, John 15, and uh, we're going to talk about abiding. See, as a young believer, I struggled with what the word abide meant, but luckily the Bible is here, and it's able to translate that for us. So that is what I'm going to use today. And we see that abide is in John 15 in verses 1 through 8 many times. And in that, Jesus is asking his believers to bear fruit and abide in the vine. So what I'm going to talk about today is what abiding is, different ways to explain it, 
and then how to abide. So I'm going to go ahead and read John 15, 1 through 8 again, just so we can solidify that, that, those verses. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit, so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. My Father has glorified this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. Will you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful day you've given to us. Lord, uh, we thank you for giving us the words so that we could better able, better understand what you have told us and so that we can learn from you and learn about your great love. Lord, we know that you're gracious and we are so thankful for that. Lord, I pray for wisdom and a smooth tongue this morning and... Uh, I pray that you open the hearts of your people and even those people that have not yet sacrificed their life to you. Lord, I pray for those persecuted and those in need. And in your name I pray, amen. amen. So in today's, uh, cha- yeah, in today's chapter, Jesus is speaking during his ministry on earth. This was before he died and before he was buried and rose again. And now he is speaking in metaphors, also called parables, for people to better understand. And not only was he giving examples during his lifetime, he was the example. He was the perfect example, and he wants us to learn from him. But in our chapter today, he was not being the example. He was giving instructions on Christian living. So in verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And this is one of the seven I am statements in John's gospel. Now, Jesus was not the first one to say this. He got it from his father. And his father used it many times, and one of the first times was in Exodus 3, whenever Moses was being called by God in the burning bush. Now, a few of the other I am statements were, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the gate for the sheep, I am the good shepherd, I am the resurrection and life, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and the final one, I am the true vine. And these I am statements were not just Jesus quoting his father. They were claiming, Jesus was claiming that he is God and he was part of the Holy Trinity and therefore claiming divinity above all people. And now also what goes with the I am the true vine statement was the vine reference that comes from the Old Testament. And now the vine actually refers to Israel, which is God's chosen people. And we know this by looking at Psalms 80. Let me read that for you. Psalms 80, verse 8. Through 11 says, You dug up a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared a place for it. It took root and filled the land. The mountains were covered by its shade and the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out sprouts toward the sea and shoots toward the river. Now, we know this is the Israelites because the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. And then, as we see, they were dug up and drove out and they had a place cleared for it, which was the promised land. And so whenever Jesus claims, I am the true vine, he is claiming that he is the true Israel and that those who abide in him and that are attached to the vine will produce much fruit. And so in our passage today, it says to remain in Christ. But I like to use abide because it's also in the ESV version. 
and abide is less understood. And so both of those statements can illustrate what Jesus wants us to know, but I just like using the word abide. But what is abiding? Abiding is an active relationship where we put our complete faith and trust in Jesus. Now, the Oxford Dictionary defines abide as a verb that means act or in accordance with, which is not too far what Jesus wants from us. However, not only does he want us to act in accordance and accept it, he wants us to believe and put our faith in it and have our whole foundation in it. So what he wants us to believe is that he died for us and so that we must put our faith in that. Let me give you an illustration about a hammock. So we have a hammock over here and it's well put up, it's not going to fall. And so you get in the hammock, you are abiding in the hammock now. Because as you're in the hammock, it sustains you and keeps you off the ground. But another part of that is you cannot just be halfway in the, in the hammock or halfway not in the hammock. You are either abiding in it or you are on the ground. And so I'm going to elaborate more on how to, how to abide after we talk some more about other terms that go along with abiding. Now, there's many ways to say abide, and it actually comes from the Greek word meno, which could mean remain, rooted, in Christ, or be in Christ, and also abide. So the first one we're going to look at is remain, since that's what's in our translation this morning. And so verse 5 of John 15 clearly says that those who remain in him will produce much fruit. Now, I looked up remain in the dictionary, and it also means continue to possess a quality or fulfill a particular role. Now, in the Bible, that could be similar. When we remain in Jesus, we possess some of his qualities, which he has given to us, like the fruits of the Spirit, for example. And along with that, when we are not remaining in him, we are able to do nothing, because it says without him, we can do nothing. So let me give you another example, because I love examples. Let's say you have a plane, all right? You get in the plane, and planes are so safe, they're more safe than cars, that they're going to get you where you need to go. So whenever you remain in the plane, you get where you need to go. But when you don't remain in the plane, you're no longer safe. What I'm talking about is whenever you jump out of the plane. Whether you have a parachute or not, it's not safe. Don't let anyone fool you. Um, See, whenever you're no longer remaining in the plane, you're no longer safe. And the same will go for Christ. Once we are in him and remain of him, uh, he takes us and he even uses us through his great plan. And without him, we are unsafe. The next uh, word I want to use is rooted. See, our roots must be in him, just like we must be connected to the vine. Let me read Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, just so that we know for sure that we must be rooted in Christ. Verse 6, it says, So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. And see, rooted is just like an active relationship where you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I like rooted because I feel like it has a deeper meaning, pun intended. And so let's think of trees, all right? You put them in different soils and they grow differently. So if you put a tree over here in sand, it's probably going to blow over and not grow any fruit. And so let's say you have a tree over here in the good soil. In that good soil, it will not blow over and it will stand trials. So in that illustration, we are the tree. And what we put our roots in matters. Because in the sand, the sand will represent our idols or anything other than Jesus. 
but where the good soil is Jesus and he does not ever let us topple over. And not only will we stand firm through trials, we will produce much fruit. And so our roots can consist of our trust and all that we build our life upon. That is the firm foundation. And in Jesus, it is even more firm. So the last one I want to talk about is to be in Christ. See, to be in Christ, we must first accept him as our Lord and Savior and die to that sin that held us captive. And so to be in Christ, we now identify with being with Christ. We identify with him. And so we can find this in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. See, just like we are before Christ, we're like Adam, and we must die to that sin. But through Christ and in Christ, all will be made alive. And so, let me give you another example, but this one's a story. So I was at kids camp this last summer, and Blake had me come up to the front and uh, put on a robe. And little did I know, the kids were going to come up and dump stuff all over this robe that was nasty, like Gatorade, Dr. Pepper, and you name it. And it was all over me. And so he also had another robe, a clean robe. And so in this illustration, he came up to me and he was like, hey, I can take that away from you. And so he took that dirty robe and he not only did he place the clean one on me, he took that dirty one and put it on himself. Just like Jesus has taken our sins and put it on himself. He makes us clean and takes that sin and shame on himself and paid that debt that we could not pay. So let's move on to the next point that we are going to look at. And it's what producing fruit looks like and more importantly, how to abide. And luckily, Jesus made this clear throughout the whole Bible. And there's many, many ways, but I'm going to only include three of them. So the first one is prayer. Prayer is a great way to talk to God. Now, I'm not just talking about the shotgun prayers that you throw up at the stoplight. You're like, hey, can you turn the screen real quick? I got to go. I'm talking about intentionally setting apart a time of your day where it's just you and Jesus, no distractions, and you just talk to him. The next one I want to talk about is opening scripture, and it's similar. And not only do you need to intentionally spend time reading the scripture, but you need to learn from it and apply it. See, the Bible was not given to us as a storybook that contains stories that we might like. See, we're supposed to learn from these because Jesus has designed the Bible that way. And so the next one and final one is loving others. Because this is not only a command, but this is a trait of Jesus. And he loves all people. And so what is the root of all those three? It's obedience. And through obedience, we show God that we love him. Just like... As a kid, you obey your parents, not only because it's a commandment, but because you're showing them that you love them through obeying their words. And so God called us to do all these things, and it's up to us to be obedient and show him our love. Now, one of these examples is really important and even regarded multiple times throughout the Bible. It's one of the greatest commandments. It is loving others. It's talked about in John 15, verse 12, uh, verse 17, and many other verses. And also Matthew twenty two thirty nine, And now our obedience allows us to change. And it even allows God to grow in our hearts, which can eventually produce fruit, which can, as a cycle, you go through abiding and you produce fruit. And through producing fruit, you know you're abiding. 
So let's look at an example from the Bible of someone that abided and produced fruit. Now, David was a fruit bearer, and he did a really good job. However, he was not perfect, and we all know that he did a bad job sometimes. But nobody was perfect except for Jesus. He was the perfect example for us. And now, David was really young whenever God called him, because David was in the sheep, just among the sheep, and who else is he going to talk to? The sheep? I mean, they don't talk back. But with God, he will speak to you. And so, as he was young and a shepherd... God was forging David into who he wanted him to be. And that made David completely dependent upon God so that David always felt the need for God's power and love. And through this, David was even able to slay a giant. He was 13 or 14 and slayed a nine-foot man, which nobody in their sane mind would even go against that person. But God was able to give him strength. And then later, when the timing was right, God had David lead his people, the chosen people. And so through David's obedience, God allowed David to produce an abundance of fruit. And so let's look at one of David's Psalms, which is Psalms 1, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it for you. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Now, in Psalm 1, you can see just how David was producing and showing the fruit that God had flowing through him. See, David says that the wise find delight in the Lord's instruction and will meditate on it. He did not come up with that himself. That was God flowing through him as David was abiding in him. He also said that the wise bear much fruit in its season and they prosper like a tree in the stream. And so through this, David just wanted all people to know that abiding in Christ makes you wise, which leads to producing fruit. So moving on to Matthew, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and makes a statement about trees and their fruit. Matthew 12, verse 33 says, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. And so in this verse, our heart is the, is the tree, and the fruit is just a reflection of our heart. So either abiding in Christ is going to produce good fruit, or we can abide in ourselves or idols and produce bad fruits, or what I like to call non-fruits, because they are only hurting. Now the good fruits we know are described as the fruits of the Spirit, talked about in Galatians 5:22 and 23. And the bad, sinful fruits, or the non-fruits, are the fruits of the flesh, which are also in Galatians, a few verses before the fruits of the Spirit. So we want to avoid producing bad fruit or the non-fruits, because if we don't, then we could be pruned for not being attached to the vine. And here's our warning in verse 6 of John 15. It says, If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. See, not only will the unfruitful branches wither and be thrown away, but they will be burned. 
And it's not talking about just a fire, like occasional fire. This fire he's talking about is the fires of hell. Matthew Henry once commented on this verse and said, Those who are not fruitful to the glory of God's grace will be fuel to the fire of his wrath. Which is a completely scary thought because no one wants to end up in hell. However, we have a Savior that loves us and came chasing after us so that we do not have to live in that. See, Jesus came and he wants to save us. He came and lived that perfect life just to die on a cross and raise on the third day so that he could defeat sin and death on our part. And now let me specify that the fruit that we produce in us abiding is not what saves us. Christ's work on the cross is what has saved us from our sin. And the fruit is just a reflection of our heart to see if we are abiding. Now, before we close today, I just want to ask a few questions. And I want you to be honest with yourself and reflect on your heart. And these questions are kind of in order and they will lead you to the next one. So the first one is, am I a believer? Now, as whenever I was young, I uh, went to a church camp and I, was, I went up to the front. And they're like, if you're not saved, come up and say the prayer. So I went up. I said the prayer, and I was like, great, I'm saved now. But later on, God was calling to me. He's like, hey, you didn't mean what you said, and I want you to be a believer. And so one night in a camper on the top bunk, I was saved, and God called to me and showed me what his true love was. And from that day on, I've been a true believer of his word. Now, the next question is, am I trusting Jesus with my everything? Now, sometimes you just trust him. You're like, hey, I got this issue. I'm going to trust that it's going to be all right. And other things you're like, oh, I got this on my own. Every time that I've been like, oh, I got this on my own, it all falls apart. Because we can only trust in Jesus to get the things that we need done, which is everything. The next question is, am I abiding in Jesus? And now to answer this question, we actually look at the next question. And it is, is God producing any fruit through me? And to know that, we can look at the fruits of the Spirit to know whether you are producing any or which ones you are producing and which ones you can do better on. Now, the last two questions I want to talk about pertain to what does my relationship with Jesus look like? Number one, is he someone that I go to for everything or just when I think I want or need him? Now, for Christ, he wants us to go to him for everything, not just the big things, not just the little things, but everything in between. Like you stub your toe, you're like, hey, Jesus, could you take that pain away? Or something big. You always go to Christ for everything. And now the final question, is Jesus my friend? Is he someone that you want to spend time with? And is he someone that you want to learn more about? Because everyone has friends. And as you know, you want to spend time and learn more about your friends. So if he is your friend, then he's going to lead to an abundance of fruit in your life. But even if he's not, there is still hope because he's always ready for us to come to him and put our complete faith and trust in him because Jesus came and he died and he paid that debt that we could not pay. Will you pray with me? Dear King Jesus, I thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. And I thank you for your willingness to come after us so that we may have a personal relationship or a friendship with you, Lord. And I thank you that we have the opportunity to abide in you. Lord, I thank you for the nutrients that you provide for us so that we could be fruit-bearing in your name and that we could advance your kingdom and bring glory to your name. Lord, I pray for those who need you and that you would strengthen our need for you, Jesus, so that we may come to the realization that we truly do need you and that we need to abide in you in our everyday lives. 
Lord, I thank you for not only providing with us with what we need to produce fruit, but to also sow seeds in others that you will grow in your perfect time, Lord. I pray that we act on the wisdom that you've given us today. And Lord, in your holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give a hand for Blaze. I did not set him up for success. I forgot to tell him it was a family Sunday. So we have a whole bunch of kids in here, uh, which is great, but it's super distracting as a preacher to begin with. And uh, he did awesome. So uh, super grateful for that. Great reminder. Yep. And if I could, I'm going to switch it up just a little bit. If my ushers could go ahead and come forward, we'll go ahead and do our offering uh, right now. We always respond to God's preached word in three ways. We respond uh, through giving our tithes and offerings back to God. Uh, not because we have to. And if you're a visitor here today, please feel no obligation to give at all. But if you would say Jesus is my king, you want to respect that authority and give your tithes and offerings back to him, uh, you can do so right now. So I'm going to pray over our offering. Uh, they're going to do that. And then we are going to respond in reflection. As the offering's going, they're going to play uh, music. It's just a time for you to think about what has been preached uh, and what God wants you to do with what was preached. And then finally, we're going to stand and we're going to sing together in response to the word that Blaze has preached to us. So let me pray over our offering. Father God, we thank you for all that you've given us. God, all that we have ultimately comes from you, and it is ours to steward. And so we now freely give back to you what was already yours. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.